Chapter 8, Part 3 In the sermon series, The Gospel of John Spoken by Pastor Peter on Good morning, and uh, I'm really grateful to be up here with you And this passage that we're going to talk about today is actually very heavy uh, There is no fuzzy feelings you're going to be walking out of after you hear this Because, you know, Jesus, what I realize about him is that he's not He's, he doesn't care about being PC. We're so into PC these days, right, in our culture. Everything's about being politically correct. Jesus doesn't care about being PC. In fact, what he says here is eventually going to land him on the cross in about 10 months. And so uh, it's very in-your-face kind of teaching. We're going to talk about that. Before I do that, many of you know that my son, Christian, is a baseball player. He, he loves the game of baseball. His hope is to play baseball in college. So he's working really hard to get there. And he's going to be a senior in September. So this is a, an important year for him. But one of the things that he does so that he can try to get to play at that collegiate level is that he has a hitting instructor. And that's his hitting instructor. It's kind of a picture far away. His name is Joe. And Joe has been working with Christian now for probably about a year and a half or so. Christian's been uh, getting a hitting lessons since he was 11 years old. And so Joe is amazing because he really works with him in detail. Uh, I send him game time footage and he looks at that. He'll give me input on what he needs to do better, what he did right. Um, he'll sit with him before every lesson to go over the video and he'll just instruct him. He'll teach him everything that he knows so that he can develop a perfect swing. That's the hope, to develop that perfect swing. And so my son, he has a choice to make. Every lesson that he goes, he goes at least once, sometimes he goes twice a week. The choice that he has to make is, do I listen to every detail and instructions that Joe gives to him so that he can have a better swing? Or, and I know he struggles with this, do I do what I think is best for me when it comes to swinging? Because he's opinionated. He has his own thoughts as well. Does he choose to listen to everything Joe teaches him or does he choose to just kind of go his way sometimes and deviate from it and just do what he feels convicted about doing? My son would be a fool if he chose the latter. He, will, he really would be. He'd be a greater fool because I pay a lot of money for those lessons. So he better not think about doing what he thinks is best, all right? My son has a choice and he has made the choice. He knows that Joe is a professional hitting coach. And that listening to him will lead him to a place where hopefully he can be more successful and he'll be able to hopefully play at a collegiate level. He has to make that choice. And today I believe Jesus is presenting every single one of us in this room with a choice. The choice is simply this. Are you going to just stay and choose to be a Christian? Or are you actually going to make the choice today to become a disciple? We've all started out. As a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, we are a Christian. And all of us in this room, I, I believe, you're a Christian. But the challenge is not to stay there. There needs to be a maturation to your faith if you want to see the height and depth and width of God's love literally being lived out in your life. But we have to make a choice to be a disciple in order to get there. Jesus is going to share with us what happens when we continue to choose to stay a Christian and what happens when we choose to become a disciple. All right, and so the choice is up to you today. Are you going to just choose like you choose regularly? I'm just going to stay Christian or we're going to choose to actually take that step today to be a disciple. There's a major difference and Jesus warns us for any of us in this room today and those who might be watching online. He says, beware if you choose to be a Christian. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 to 47. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 47. I want you to imagine Jesus is here 
and he's speaking this to you and to me. All right, because the, his audience are all believers of God. Every single one of them believe in God. He's not speaking to an unchurched, uh, a, non, a group of non-Christians. He's speaking to actual believers, believers of God, all right? So let's just put ourselves in this situation, and he's speaking to us. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you, we, you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are truly are trying to kill me because there's no room in your heart for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you're following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you were imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. I'm going to read verse 47 again. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, I kind of just sense in your own heart, you're trying to say to us as a congregation, how much longer, how long do I have to wait till you can trust in me and take the path towards being a disciple? How much longer do you want me to wait? Lord, I don't know where everyone is, but I do know that everyone in this room wouldn't be here if they didn't believe in you. And that's good. But God, there's something about this passage that should really cause us to be afraid because these people believed in you. These religious leaders and these Jewish people actually believed in you and yet you said that Satan is their father. Lord, there's something in here for us today. I don't know how this is going to speak to the people that are here and those who might be watching, but I pray that you would have your way no matter what. I pray that you would invade the areas of our lives that need invading today so that we don't just stay idle where we are. God, that we all would know the beauty and the wonder that there is when we choose to follow you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, God, I pray it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, let's just talk about this for just a moment. What's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? What is the difference between a Christian and a disciple? 
Here's what a Christian is. A Christian believes in Jesus primarily for the privileges and protection of God. That's a Christian. A Christian is somebody who believes in Jesus for the privileges and protection of God. I do believe that many of you said yes to Jesus Christ whenever it was in your life. When you said, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to believe in him. And you said yes because you thought about the privileges and the protection that God offers us, right? And many of us ascribe to that. What privileges are we talking about? There are privileges to being a Christian. I don't know if you know this, but there is. The one privilege that God gives to us is this, that when we die and we believe in Jesus, we will go to heaven. That's an amazing privilege, amen? That there is an eternal destiny. Listen, some of you may not know this, particularly if you're young, but life on earth, as you get older, you realize how short life is. We're going to live 80 to maybe 90 years here on this earth if we're lucky. And then when we die, there will be an eternal destiny for every single one of us. And there's only two routes here, heaven or hell. Many of us say yes to Jesus Christ because we want to go to heaven. Folks, that's a privilege. Jesus has created that, 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 that opportunity for us to go to heaven. That's a privilege. That's a huge privilege. You know, it's also a privilege to know that there's a God who will listen to your prayers. Isn't that a privilege? That when you go to him in prayer, he'll actually listen to you. Now, he may not say yes all the time. I think he'll say no as well. you got to give him the authority to say yes or no. Or maybe just wait a little longer. But it's a privilege to know that there's a God who actually will hear your prayers. That is an immense privilege. It's an immense privilege, I believe, to be here at church and to be able to come to a place where we can worship God together in spirit and in truth. Amen? It is a privilege because it's hard, honestly. It's hard to sort of try to live this life outside of this, outside of this church in the world in which you and I live. Because there's so many things that pulls us away from our devotion and our attention. And the church is a place where we can come and what brings us together at the end of the day is not our ethnicity. It's not our sex. None of that. What brings us together is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's an immense privilege. And so we believe in Jesus for the privileges. We believe, a Christian believes in Jesus also for protection. We want to be protected. We long for the protection of God. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But that's as far as our faith goes. Think about your prayers. Think about how much you pray and the topic of your prayer is oftentimes on protection. Right? Protection. We're consumed by it. Think about how much you pray that God would protect your children. My kids are going to Africa, two of them, uh, in a couple of weeks. And my wife and I, we, we, we run, we, we do this. We pray for their protection. Nothing bad. But sometimes we're so consumed by protection because we think protection is going to be good for our children or for us. Or sometimes God may want us to encounter him in certain ways where we don't, quote, unquote, have his protection over our lives. Christians pursue Jesus just for privileges and protection. And that's why they don't take the teachings of Jesus seriously because their values often coincide with, their, with the secular values of this world. That's a problem. And that's, what, that's what's happening here with the audience of Jesus. These guys are people who believe in God. They believe in God, the Father, but they don't believe in the teachings in which Jesus is sharing with them. And as a result of it, they believe, and you're going to see next week, they actually call him a Samaritan devil. 
It's crazy. A Samaritan devil. I mean, it's just nuts. It's, it's worse enough to call somebody d- the devil, but they use the word Samaritan in, in there. A Samaritan is like completely derogatory to a Jewish person in the first century. We'll talk more about that next week, all right? And so that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And so Christians today have the risk of just being labeled a Christian, but you only presume your faith will never go deep because you only think of Jesus as somebody who shall allow you to encounter some privileges, some blessings in this life, and also that he's there to protect you so that no harm will come to you. Does that sound like you? Is that you? It's nothing... Our goal is not to stay there. Our goal is to become a disciple. And here's the definition of a disciple. Disciples believe in Jesus by remaining faithful to his teachings at all costs. That's a disciple. A disciple believes in Jesus by remaining faithful to his teachings at all costs. Now, this is not perfection because I believe disciples have an amazing room to make mistakes. The reason why I know that is because when you look at the 12, my goodness, do they make mistakes. These disciples were making mistakes, but here's the thing, what set them apart. They believed in the teachings of Jesus. They believed it to be so true that they did whatever they could to believe in it and live into it at all costs. That's the difference. A disciple lives their life surrendering themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. A disciple consciously has consecrated their lives to God. Have you ever consecrated your life to God? Have you ever heard of the word consecration? It's a very theological word. Consecration is when you dedicate your life to the service and worship of God. That is consecration. You might have learned that word while you were growing up. But it's very important that as a Christian, that when you say yes to Jesus Christ, yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you said yes to him because of the privileges and his protection. But you have to mature to the point where you say, Jesus, I consecrate my life to you. I will dedicate my life to the service and worship of my Lord Jesus Christ. That is consecration. And that is what disciples do. They consecrate their lives to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is asking you today, what are you going to choose? Are you just going to be a disciple and consecrate your lives to Jesus? Or are you going to just be a Christian? All right. Now, if you do the New Testament reading, you, you, you would have read Luke 14 this week. And it's a good Good, uh, good passage to read because Jesus gives us a little deeper understanding of what, the, what kind of disciple he's looking for. All right? Let's go to Luke 14, verses 26 to 28. Luke 14, 26 to 28. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. Talk about in your face. He said, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But then he says this, but don't, because you know how we're so fickle sometimes that we say, I'll do it, Jesus, no matter what, I'll do it. He says, no, no, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Because when you choose to be a disciple, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be a vacation. Christianity is anything but easy. Being a disciple is about you realizing that there is a cost. It's your life. Now, please don't misunderstand Jesus. He's not telling you to hate your mom, your dad, your wife, your kids, yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's why I love the New Living Translation. He's simply saying this. When you look at your love and your faith and your devotion to me, 
When you compare it to your faith and then your love and your devotion to your family and the ones that you love so much, including yourself, he says when you compare those two, it needs to look like hate. My, your love for me, your dedication to me has to be so much greater that when you compare it to the love that you have for your family and even yourself, it needs to appear to look like hate. That's what Jesus is saying. So if you and I want to be a disciple, that's where you and I have to get to. Are we willing to do that? That's why this is so offensive. This is so offensive. Because for a Jewish person, their love to their family was truly important. Like they're the God's chosen people. And so when Jesus shares things like this, this is incredibly offensive to them. But he's saying you and I have to count the cost. Are we willing to count the cost? Jesus says that our love and our commitment to him must actually look like hate compared to our commitment and our love for our family and even our own life. A Christian is somebody oftentimes that believes somewhat in the teachings of Jesus, but they also believe many times that they actually know better than Jesus himself. See, that's the problem with Christians. Because you only follow him because of the privileges and protection, a lot of times you have sort of come to the conclusion that you know better than Jesus. We do this all the time. That's why I know we, fought, we struggle with this, right? For example, let's talk about forgiveness for a second. Jesus is very explicit in teaching us that we are called to forgive those who have harmed us and done us wrong, right? He teaches us that. In fact, he teaches us the consequences of what will happen when you and I choose not to forgive other people. But what do we do many times? We still choose not to forgive the people who have harmed us. Not only because it's hard, but because we don't feel like they deserve it. We often feel like they don't deserve forgiveness. And I understand that. But do you think you deserve God's forgiveness? Do you ever think you and I really deserve the forgiveness of God? We didn't deserve it, and yet he still forgave us. Don't you think that God wants you to understand the depth of his love for us by forgiving those who we deem to be unforgivable? We know Jesus teaches us very clearly that we are to forgive those who have wronged us. But for many of us, we still choose not to do it because at the end of the day, Christians always think they know better than Jesus. And they stand by it. And that's why we don't do that. That's why we don't do that. A Christian also believes that the culture's teaching on life and what we should value is oftentimes better and more valuable than what Jesus teaches in the Bible. We do this. Christians struggle with this all the time. For example, money. Many of us value money the way the culture values money. Success. Many of you want to be successful because of how the culture sees success. That's what we long for, right? How we practice sex, whether you're single, whether you're married, how we practice our sexuality is very similar to how we see the world today. And how the world views sexuality, we also are in line with how the world values it. And Jesus Christ wants us to know that as a disciple, we have to value his teachings more and remain faithful to it no matter how difficult it is. Because again, it's not about being PC. We're so caught up in being PC because we want to be liked by everyone. But Jesus doesn't want disciples to... Be, be concerned about PC. No, I, I understand that God doesn't want you to naturally offend people. But when you take a stand in who Jesus Christ is and you really pay attention to what the Bible says that you and I have to value, it goes beyond being politically correct. Amen? Amen. So Christians care about PC. They do because they want to be liked all the time. And so maybe you're just a Christian because disciples realize that it's not about the world loving them. It's about connecting and being in the love of God all the time. And Jesus wasn't even PC 2,000 years ago. He was so not PC in the, in, with, with the believers of God. 
the world loves you, you're probably just a Christian at best. Because as a disciple, the world is not going to really love you. You know, I know sometimes as Christians, we think like sacrifice is like this pretty beautiful thing. Like, oh, I fasted today. I, that's great. And it's a sacrifice when you don't eat. But I'm telling you, to be a disciple, you've got to count the cost. Jesus says you've got to pick up your cross, cross and follow after me. And so don't worry so much about how other people view you. Don't worry about being so congruent to what the world says you need to value and uphold. A disciple, when you choose to say yes to Jesus, you follow him, you believe in him by obeying his teachings and being faithful to it at all costs. And you believe that if you don't do that, you're not going to experience true life. That's important. My hope is that you would want to be successful in your relationship with God. And when you can't do that, when you take that step of choosing to be a disciple rather than just a Christian, you're going to know the life that he has for you. And uh, Jesus shares with us two things that will happen to you and me once we choose to be a disciple today. These are two important things that we need to, to, to hone in on today, right? First, when you and I choose to be a disciple, we will know the truth. You will know the truth. Verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What truth is Jesus talking about? He's talking about himself. Jesus is the truth. That when you choose to be a disciple, Jesus says, you will know the truth. You will know Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if that excites you, but man, it really excites me. Because I want to know Jesus more. Do you want to know Jesus more? Is that a passion of yours? Is that something you think about on the regular? Do you think about, I, I want to know Jesus more. I hope, my prayers that all of you will get to a place that you would be able to say, I really want to get to know Jesus more. I want to get to know the truth. Because there's tremendous benefits and blessings that come our way when we choose to know the truth. It costs a lot to know the truth. But when you choose to be a disciple, you will know the truth. You and I are wired to have a deep relationship with God. We're also wired to have deep relationships with one another. We're wired for this stuff. And the only way we're going to know God more, the only way we're going to know Jesus more, is when we truly choose to be a disciple so that we can know the truth. Look at verse 39. Verse 39. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you were trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. Jesus is trying to help them to see this. They think they're children of Abraham. Now that's a very uh, normal thing for the people of God to say. We are children of Abraham because Abraham is known as the father of faith. But Abraham is very different than the people of God. Abraham was a true disciple. And how do we know that? Abraham wasn't perfect. When you study his life, you realize he wasn't perfect, but Abraham was a disciple. And you know how we know that? Remember when he was 100 years old and he finally God gave him his, uh, a son uh, through Sarah's womb named Isaac? I mean, Abraham was 100 and finally God had promised him that he would be the father of many. That through him, all the nations will come to know him through his lineage, right? And he's been waiting 100 years for his son to be born. And Isaac, and Isaac was born. Then what does God do after a moment? He tells Abraham, to offer his son as a sacrifice, meaning to kill his son at the altar. Now, that's a crazy request. What did Abraham do? Did he argue with God? Did he negotiate with God? Did he debate with God? Did he say, I'm not sure? How did he treat that instruction? He said yes, and he did. 
He put his son at the altar, and before he was going to take his life, God finally stops him. And God wanted to test his heart because he wanted him to see, Abraham, does your love for me, when you compare it to the love for your son, does it look like hate? Does it look like hate? Because that's where it has to be for disciples. Our love for our God, our commitment, our devotion to him, when compared to our love and our commitment to other people on this earth, even our own family, it needs to look like hate. And I've learned over the years, this is what I've learned, that we really can't love ourselves and the people that we love the most unless we put God at that level. Because when you can encounter God's love, it's going to make you the best lover you can be towards your children, your, your spouse, your family members. It's the only way. It's the only way. So Jesus is asking you, what are you going to choose today? Are you going to choose to be a disciple or are you going to choose to just stay a Christian? That's the choice you have to make. You've got to count the cost because there's, a bit of, there's a, quite a bit of suffering and sacrifice that God is calling for every single one of us. You see, again, the people of God at one point or another, they knew the teachings of Abraham. They knew that God had chosen them so they can be a blessing to the world. They knew this. But somewhere over time, that privilege of being shown, being chosen by God, all of a sudden transformed not into this idea of serving the world and leading people to know who God is, but it turned into privilege and protection from God, and that was it. That was the basis of their faith. And Jesus and God has a major problem with that. When you and I pursue him just for the privileges and just for his protection, he wants more. He wants you to realize that when you choose to be a disciple, you will begin to concern the things that God is concerned about. And disciples, and I believe this, I believe every single one of you, you're wired to be a disciple. Every single one of us, we are wired to give up and make incredible sacrifices for the things we actually believe in. Do you know that? We are. I see it all the time when I even see people who don't know Jesus. We're just wired to make that kind of devotion. You know how I know that? Two weeks ago, Chungguk from BTS was in New York City. All right? That's, he was on Good Morning America. All right? That was on a Friday. I think he was in Battery Park doing a concert. All right? He's from BTS, one of the most popular groups. Thank God he got a haircut. He has such long hair for a couple years. But that's him performing. And uh, the, before he performed, now this is first come, first serve concert. There's no tickets you buy. And so you have to wait in line. And if you're the first one, you get to be closest to him. Right? And so before the concert started, they ran a, like a newsreel. And this reporter was interviewing some of these women. And these women, some of these women, they were camping out since Monday, man. Monday, all right? The concert was on Friday. Do you know how hot it was two weeks ago? Remember how hot and humid it was? Remember all the thunderstorms we had two weeks ago? They endured all that. One woman was showing her badge, her willingness to sacrifice. She was showing off all the mosquito bites that she got sleeping on the floor at Battery Park. She was showing that. And then there was another group of women. They put blankets over their faces. They didn't want to be seen because they didn't want their bosses to see them because they were working from home. Right? And so they cover their faces. But they were willing to be, subject themselves to that kind of heat. Potential, you know, who knows? They could have gotten caught by their bosses. And then who knows what would have happened with their job. They were willing to sacrifice everything. Why? So that they could hear him sing three songs. Just three. And that's it. He didn't touch them. He didn't talk to them. He didn't go out to a meal for them. But they gave up five days of their life in that heat. Suffering and sacrificing because they believe in the truth of him and what they think he can provide for them. I know that's kind of crazy, but it's true. That we're wired. When we believe in the truth of someone, 
we're wired to make incredible sacrifices. We're wired to suffer, be willing to suffer because we believe in the truth of someone. You know, some people sometimes say, you know what, I love Metro. I love being a part of Metro because, like, man, you guys really know how to serve the least, the last, and the lost. You guys pour so much time and energy. Man, I see what you guys do at open store, what you guys do at these things. And I'm like, compared to what, man? Like, really? You think we give that much? We have people in this church that are willing to work 80 to 100 hours a week for their jobs. For their jobs. Like, I don't think we're that committed to God, honestly. If I'm just going to be honest, I don't think we're that committed to God that we're willing to give all of ourselves to him in that way. And that's what Jesus is asking. That's what he's asking every single one of us. Are you going to choose to give all of yourself? Saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, just as long as I get to proclaim the gospel. Just as long as I get to be a conduit of your grace, your love, and your mercy. So maybe some people will begin to know who you are. You see, a disciple knows God's economy. A disciple knows that they're not living in a democracy. You don't vote for Jesus Christ to be your king. A disciple knows that they live in a monarchy. Jesus is king. We are his servants. And we do whatever we do. We do whatever the king tells us to because he's our king. And he truly knows the pathway for you and I to live life and to live it abundantly in him. But we got to be willing to pick up our cross and follow him. But that's the rub for a lot of you, for a lot of us, because we just want to believe in Jesus for the privileges and protection. We don't want to sacrifice ourselves to a point where we actually might suffer and go through some hardships. Man, I pray that God would show you that no matter what, that your love for him is so deep because he's given all of himself to you. God sacrificed everything for you that you would say, God, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. One of the best disciples in the Bible is Paul the Apostle. And he says, Philippians 1, 21 to 24, look at what he says. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Jesus says, it's more important for me to stay here because I need to work. I need to do the work of God. I need to let people understand who this Jesus is. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to do that. No matter how incapable you might think you are, God wants you and I. He just wants all of you and all of me. He really does. And um, when we do that, something beautiful happens. We will know the truth. You're going to know the truth who is Jesus Christ. That's worth it if you ask me. That's a great exchange. Your life for the truth, to know the truth. Are you willing to do that? You know, I have a lot of folks that come up to me sometimes, like younger folks sometimes, and sometimes older, and they'll say, how do you know if God's calling you to do something? Like, how do I discern that? And I always say, You'll, God will never show you or tell you unless you're willing to be a disciple. Because why would he? God doesn't just want you to know. If you're not a disciple, you're never going to say yes. The only way God reveals his calling to people is if you're willing to be his disciple and you choose to be his disciple. God will call. You'll hear his calling upon your life. And so what are you going to choose? Disciple or Christian, all right? When we choose to be a disciple, we're going to know the truth. But the second and most important thing, when we choose to be a disciple, we will know the truth and we'll live in freedom from our sins, all right? That's the benefit. You're going to live in freedom from 
our sins. I hate my sins. I don't know about you. I don't know if you hate your sins, but I hate my sins because I know what my sins are capable of. And if you know the truth, you're going to be able to live in freedom from your sins. Look at verse 32. Jesus says, you will know the truth, which is me, and the truth will set you free. You're not going to set yourself free. Your good deeds are not going to set you free. It's the truth that's going to set you free. It's Jesus that sets you free. Look at verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if your son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Who's their father? Jesus, again, is not talking about their biological fathers, though they all have one. He's talking about that their father is actually Satan. That Satan is their father. That Jesus, again, is speaking to an audience who are believers of God. And what he's saying to every single one of us here as well is that when you and I choose not to be a disciple, when we just choose to be a Christian, we run the risk of Satan fathering us. That's the danger. That's the danger, right? Look at verse 41. He's going to go into this a little more. Verse 41. He says, you're imitating your real father. And they replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. I mean, this is so hard. I mean, Jesus is, wow. He's so hard. There's nothing PC about this. And after he says this, the next week we're going to see it, they picked up their stones and they were ready to kill him. That's how angry they were because of what he said. The danger of us staying a Christian and just not maturing and not wanting to mature and we just pursue God for the privileges like he's this vending machine of blessings that when we pray, we put in our quarters and then somehow we'll get these blessings. If we just pursue him for the privileges and just pursue him for protection, then the risk that we run is that you're going to run the risk of being fathered by Satan. That Satan is going to become your daddy. How does Satan become our daddy? How does Satan father us? It's when you believe his lies are true. And that's so dangerous. And I will confess to you right now, I have believed in so many of the lies of Satan to be true over my life as a Christian and trying to be a disciple of God. There are so many lies that Satan has told you that you still believe till this day as true. That's when you know you're being fathered by him and it's a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. Jesus says that the, the source or the genesis of the power of Satan is in his ability to lie. He calls him the father of lies. That's really it. That's where his power is. A lot of you think Satan is like, like this divine being that's as powerful, not as powerful as God and Jesus, but is like super powerful. He's really not. Satan's power lies in his ability to convince you that his lies are true. And that's exactly what he did to Adam and Eve, right, in Genesis 1. 
that he told them these lies and they start to believe in it. They sinned against God and then that was that broken covenant between God and Adam and Eve, right? And so that's the power of Satan, that he convinces you that his lies are actually true. And when, we, when that happens, see, the, the goal of a disciple isn't necessarily not to sin because we will always sin. We're broken people. But the goal is that we would not be enslaved into our sinful nature. That we wouldn't be enslaved in bondage to our sins. And I, and I know you know what this is like, that when you've been in a place where you feel like you were in bondage to sin. If you've never been in bondage to sin, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I think you're one step away from being Jesus or you're completely oblivious. All right, because I've lived in bondage to sin in deep ways. When you are in bondage to sin, what's happening is you are beginning to believe in the lies of Satan to be true for your life. That's how you get enslaved to your sin. And Jesus says you will be set free because I'm the truth. When you choose the pathway towards discipleship, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the one who sets us free from our sinful nature. It isn't your discipline and your goodwill. It's Jesus Christ that will set us free from it. And we've got to be willing to choose to be a disciple because of that. Sin in the Greek literally means to fail or miss the mark. It's when you fail or you miss the mark. And when you miss the mark in terms of your relationship with God, what happens then is that sin begins to look so attractive in your life that you begin to see it to be something that's true. And here's the thing. I hope I don't rub anyone the wrong way. Some of you, you love your sins more than you love Jesus. That's when you know Satan is fathering you. I've been there. That's when you know Satan is actually fathering you. When you love your sin more than you love Jesus Christ. See, Christians always run the risk of being under that tyranny of that bondage and being a prisoner to their sinful nature. Because they just believe in Jesus for the privileges and protection. But a disciple, a disciple remains faithful to the teachings of Jesus regardless of how much it might cost them. That they're going to do it to the best of their ability. And as they do it, Jesus, when you remain faithful to my teachings, you're going to know me and I will set you free. Satan will never have to be your father. Satan will never convince you of his lies. His lies will have no power over you. That's why when Satan tempted Jesus, it was easy for Jesus. I mean, he was hungry. He was starving for 40 days. But when he was tempting him, Jesus knew that everything he was sharing with him were lies. And that's what you have to believe. You have to believe that your sins and your sinful nature, the things that your body craves, you got to believe that they're lies. They're not true. And I know for some of you, you think it's okay that you commit adultery on your spouse because your spouse doesn't love you. That's a lie. That's not true. Right? Some of you think it's okay for your greed to get the best of you. And you've been struggling with your greed all the time. Some of you are making good money and you're still broke. And it's tough. Right? And you know one of the greatest antidotes to greed is generosity. And that's why God wants you to tithe. It's an important thing. But the devil makes you to believe that tithing is wrong. Don't do it. Don't worry about it. Grace giving, and I get it, grace giving is real. Like if you're struggling, you're unemployed, you're not going to be able to tithe. God understands it. But some of you use that as an excuse not to give. And then you, you put yourself in a very dangerous position where greed becomes greater in your life. Where you begin to think that your greed is actually good. That it's not wrong, it's not sinful. That's very dangerous. Some of you believe your jealousy is good. You think it's good. Listen, I used to be a very jealous boyfriend when I was dating Jenny. I'm telling you, there's nothing good about that. Nothing good about it for her. 
But there was nothing good about it for me because I lived my entire life on paranoia when I was dating her. I thought she was always dating somebody else. Right? I was just jealous. I was so insecure, living in deep shame. Some of you think your jealousy is good and you're only hurting yourself and other people. That's horrible. Your jealousy is horrible. It's sinful. Some of you believe gossip is good. You love hearing about the misfortunes of other people. And you love talking about it to other people. Why? Why would you want to participate in something so destructive when you are just as broken? Right? Why would you want to gossip and learn more about stuff like that and gossip with other people? That's awful. Some of you believe that your anger and your bitterness is justified. You do. You believe that it's justified. And I get it. I understand why you're angry. And I think there's some things that we can maybe correlate to it being justified at some level. But it's not justification if you want that person to die. It's not justification. It's not justified if you want something really bad to happen to that person. That type of bitterness will allow Satan to father you throughout your entire life. Right? That's very dangerous. Some of you believe that you're unlovable. You actually believe that. You actually believe that you're unlovable. I don't know how you got that. Maybe it's because you're single right now. Maybe you, you got divorced. Maybe somebody said that to you. They said you're not lovable. I don't know how you came to that conclusion. But do you realize that that is a downright, I mean, a lie? I almost cursed. That is a lie. God loved you so much, he sent Jesus Christ to come and die for you on the cross and resurrect from the dead. If you were unlovable, he wouldn't have sent Jesus Christ. That's the truth. But you continue to believe in the lie that you are unlovable. That's a lie, man. It's a lie. Don't matter where you might think you are, what other people have said. You know what? Some of you also, you believe you're a loser. You believe you're worthless. Maybe if you've grown up in an abusive home like me and you've gotten abused physically, Naturally, you naturally think you're worthless. Because if, you if somebody thought that you were worth, worth, worth something, they wouldn't have done that to you. And so we naturally think that we're worthless, we're a loser. But listen, you were all brought with a price. The life of Jesus Christ, that's the truth. You're not worthless. You're not a loser. Jesus proves that to you. And he said, will you follow me now? So you stop living like this and you start to believe in the truth of who you are before me. But we believe in these lies. And you know, I know Satan is lying to you right now. He's saying, and you, you've done this before. I know it because I used to do it. Don't be a full disciple because then your life's going to be horrible. It's going to be like God's going to tell you to do something, move to a remote village in like, like, like Sudan or something like that and just suffer every day of your life. Like God is like this masochist that wants to like torture your life. I know you believe that. And that's what a lot of you like, I'm just being a Christian. I'm not going to be a disciple. That's Satan fathering you to believe in the lies. Because if you think your life is good right now by just being a Christian, then keep going. You're going to suffer no matter what. You're going to suffer by saying, no, I'm not going to be a disciple. But you're also going to suffer by saying yes to be a disciple. But I'm telling you, it's so much better to suffer with a purpose. When you suffer for Jesus Christ because you're going to be a disciple for him, that is with purpose. That grows you. It sets you more free from the sins that you might be enslaved to today. But when you suffer because you don't want to be a disciple, there's enslavement there and there's bondage. And you're not going to be free. It's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. Right? Some of you believe that you can't do much for the kingdom of God. Like some of you really believe that. Like I know people like that and it breaks my heart. Listen, if God can use a donkey in the Old Testament to do his will, he can use you. Yeah. 
and me. So stop believing the lies of Satan saying, you can't do much. You can't do anything. No, God could use you to make an amazing difference in this world if you would just trust in him. If you'll just trust in him. Some of you, some of you, like, you know, you think it's good not to be fully involved in the church where Jesus is the head. Right? And I get it. There's a season where I, I think that because of life circumstances, you can't really give yourself fully to the church and serve in the church. But Metro, man, serving in the church is like the training wheels of discipleship, man. If you're not even serving in the church, you're not a disciple. I mean, it's just the beginning stages of it. Now, this is the process and how you become a disciple. And some of you still don't want to serve because you're like, you know what, I can't. Like, I, I don't think I can do these things. I, I don't want to do it. And there's a sense of fear or, or hesitant to it. And the devil wants you to believe that you shouldn't. That it's okay to just sit and receive all the time. It's okay. You're hindering your faith. I'm telling you right now, you're hindering your faith. Serving in the church is the training wheels to get you started in becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll begin to do that and really see it. Jesus can be so much more than he is right now in your life if you choose the pathway towards discipleship. He says you're going to live in freedom. And I'm telling you right now, freedom is indescribable when you, when you have it. Like when you can be free, like no matter what somebody says about you and you, still, and you sense a sense of freedom, there's something amazing about it. When you sense a freedom where no longer these sins that used to like plague you in the past that literally held you down no longer has that kind of power over you, man, that's freedom. That's freedom for you to love and be the kind of person that God wants you to be. But the choice is yours. Are you going to do it or not? Are you going to just be a Christian and just follow Jesus for the privileges and his protection? Or are you going to be a disciple where you're going to believe in him to the point where you're going to remain faithful to all of his teachings regardless of the cost that it's going to require of you and me? My hope is that you're going to choose that ladder and it's going to be a blessing upon your life. And my hope is that we would be a church where all of us would be able to say, we're going to become a disciple. We're going to choose to be a disciple. And we're going to say, Lord, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Wherever you want me to go, I will do it as long as you're leading me towards that path. Last week, a uh, cl- uh, couple of us, Pastor Steve, uh, Pastor Doug, uh, his family, Jay uh, from our church, we all flew out to Chicago for Pastor Clay's installation of his service. Can we go to the first picture? First picture instead. Here's that picture. There, there we are. And so this is like a metro reunion. Pastor David Hosan came out with Betty. Uh, Kevin Swanson is the associate superintendent. He used to be the pastor of this church. Uh, he led the service. And uh, it was just like a metro reunion. It was so much fun uh, for us to be there for him. But I still remember years ago, I was talking to Clay about this. I said, you're ready, man. You're not going to learn anymore in this place. You're ready to become a senior pastor. And he had to make a choice. He said, you know, Peter, it's hard because it's really comfortable being here at Metro. And I was like, I get it, but God is calling you out. And so he was making these, he had to make choices. And so I kind of sort of gave him a timeline for him to think through. And so he was thinking about where God was leading him. And he had two choices to make, a church in in LA and a church in Chicago. Now, where are you going to choose? If you had a choice, Los Angeles or Chicago? Man, if you raise your hand in Chicago, there's something wrong with you. I'll choose L.A. every day of the week and two times on Sunday, okay? And he chose that originally. But then as he was praying, it was a no. And God led him to Chicago. And then show the next picture. I love this picture because I, 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 I took a picture multiple times of this. 
And there was a part where the leadership of the church came around them and, and, and Clay got on his knees and he opened his hand like this. And I had to take that picture. Because that's my prayer for every single one of you. That today you would get on your knees, you would open your hands, and you say, Jesus, I'll be your disciple. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. Amen. That's the pathway to true life. That's the pathway where Satan has no chance of ever fathering you. Where Satan has no chance of ever telling a lie to you where you begin to believe to be true. So what will you choose today? Will you choose to be a Christian or will you actually choose to be a disciple? That's your choice. Let's pray. So I want you to choose today. Christian, which is, I'm, I'm assuming that where most of you are today, or you're going to actually choose that path of being a disciple. And maybe you'll get on your knees and you'll say, Lord, choose me. Here I am. I want to give you a moment because I want you to make a choice today. Because the consequences are dire, which Jesus warns us about right here. The consequences, the difference between you being fathered by Satan or not, meaning you're going to believe in these lies. Some of you have been believing in lies about yourself for decades, and it's really hurt you in a deep way. And you can set yourself free today by choosing to be a disciple, by remaining faithful to the teachings of Jesus. When you do that, he says, the truth is going to set you free. He's going to set you free. So I'm just going to give you a moment to do that, and then I'll just close this in prayer. Go to him. Spirit, I pray that you would come right now. Jesus, I pray that you would come and that you would fall afresh upon every person in this room, particularly those who've made the decision to be a disciple. For those who've been holding back for years, maybe decades, but they sense now it's the time that they're tired of living their life based upon lies that they think is true. I pray that you'd be with them and you'd watch over them. I pray that you'd watch over all of us as a church. And God, I pray that Metro will be a place, God, that God, that we would do our best work. We would, we would give our first fruits to you in everything, even our time. And God, that as we do that, you're able to help us to live a life of true freedom in you. So God, would you guide us? This is a path, a choice that's not going to be easy. Anything good is never easy. But help us to remain faithful. And may we never forget these words in verse 47 because they are haunting. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Lord, may we always belong to you. May we never hear you ever say those words to us. You don't listen because you don't belong to God. Help us, God, to always belong. Thank you that our belonging comes through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we just have to believe and we have to now be willing to make a commitment to be your disciple through and through, God. So thank you so much for this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.